I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me's special series, The Show Must Go On, and the conclusion of Sir John A., Acts of a Gentrified Ojibwe Rebellion, by Drew Hayden Taylor. In parts one and two, we meet Bobby Rabbit, who is on a road trip with his friend Hugh to Kingston, Ontario. The plan is to dig up the bones of Sir John A. Macdonald to trade for Bobby's grandfather's medicine bundle. Along the way, they meet Anya, a recently jilted history major, and McDonald's, and they agree to give her a ride home to Kingston. She spends the drive debating with Bobby on everything from racism to feminism to the lingering effects of the residential schools. That is, until Hugh accidentally lets it slip about their dark plans for Sir John A. This is the conclusion of Sir John A. Acts of a Gentrified Ojibwe Rebellion by Drew Hayden Taylor. To create a country, you must be an alchemist. Such an operation can require a handful of diplomacy, maybe a little dash of blackmail at the right time, a pinch of vision, and finally, a huge helping of hard work. <laughs> and if the temperature is right and God is feeling benevolent that day, a new country is born. The secret is, you have to be able to see what could be, not what is. <laughs> Too many people with petty concerns see only what is. They cannot take that next step. <laughs> Frequently, for amusement and, dare I say, inspiration, I read literature that deals with what could be. Jules Verne, Mary Shelley, etc. Simple tales of and from those who could see a little farther than the average man and can imagine the impossible. Oh, the world may be full of visionaries, but there can only be one vision when it came to Canada. Mine. I can't leave you here. Look around, there's nothing for kilometers. You think I'm going to call the police. That's why you don't want to leave me here. No, I don't want to leave you here because there's nothing around for kilometers. I, I know you think we're some crazy Indians. Well, I never said Indian. I'm sorry. A crazy nafnip and... What the hell is a nafnip? Oh, uh, that's a native Aboriginal First Nations Indigenous person. Nafnip. <laughs> Didn't they teach you anything in university? Look... It's dark and it's desolate out here. 
whatever you may think of us, we're not the type of people who leave women on lonely, deserted roads. Bad things could happen. No, you're the kind of people that desecrates graves and steals national treasures. No, no, no. Wait, wait. You've got the wrong idea. There's this medicine bundle. What is this medicine bundle you two keep talking about? Is it worth going to jail for? For Bobby, it is. A medicine bundle is a collection of spiritual and sacred items, usually wrapped up in a deer skin. It belonged to Bobby's grandfather. You know, for him to be as screwed up as much as he seems, it would have to take generations. Anya, stop for a second. That medicine bundle was taken away from his grandfather when he went to residential school. Bobby was raised by his grandfather. His father... Well, let's just say that there were problems with his father. His mother lived with another guy who found Bobby annoying. See, you're not alone. Hugh, really... Almost done. His grandfather died six months ago. And he should have been buried with that medicine pouch. He wanted to be buried with that medicine pouch. Months of prowling the internet and Bobby found it in a European museum. It's been his goal to reunite the pouch with his grandfather. Bobby promised. That's why you guys are on your way to Kingston? I know, right? That almost makes him sympathetic. I think you're nuts for trying to pull this off, but I've got enough shit on my plate as it is. Who am I to argue with a sojourn of justice? Great. Grand. Groovy. Now, shall we continue our little journey? Or, or seriously, do you want to try your luck hitchhiking on this dark and deserted road? Back to him? Oof, this day just gets worse and worse. Okay, let's get going. Mosquitoes are almost as annoying as him. Truer words have never been spoken. Let's rock and roll. Anya, to the Hue-mobile. Hugh, did you know McDonald's father and son were named Hugh? I did not know that. Tall, handsome, nobleman? Uh, I'm not sure. Sir John A.'s father, Hugh, was a poor businessman. The son, Hugh, after a long estrangement with his father, ended up both mayor of Winnipeg and briefly the premier of Manitoba. Passed some sort of temperance act. Well, I am certainly in search of employment, but neither of those positions appeal to me. Anya, here's a question for you. How much do you know about First Nations people, overall? I've read a lot of Thomas King. Everybody's read Tom King. The raccoon that lives under my house has read Tom King. Do you want to know if I've been to any powwows, Bobby? First Nations community, stuff like that? I just think it's a shame that people like you, a typical young Canadian of Caucasian persuasion, I say that respectfully, knows more about a guy that's been dead for over 100 years than the people sitting in the car right next to her. Give her a break, Bobby. I'm sure she knows a lot. She's in university. What are you taking, by the way? Prozac, mostly. Look, I know about the same as most other Canadians my age would. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. What? Do you want to quiz me? Yeah, why not? What are the seven grandfather teachings? Come on, Bobby, even I can't name them off by heart, just like that. That's why I'm not asking you. Anya? Wait a minute. I saw this on a t-shirt once. Bravery, wisdom, honesty, 
strength? Let's hear you name them. Shut up. Anya, name seven First Nations communities. There are over 600, but feel free to pick any. Bobby. No, 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 it's fine. Let's see. Uh, Six Nations. Rama. Tyendinaga. Aquasosne. Cape Croker. Technically, it's now called Chippewas of Nawash, but I'll accept that. That's five. Two more. I don't know, that uh, that Oka place. I'll have to give you a half point for that one. Oka is actually the name of the nearby white town. And a very tasty cheese, if I do say so myself. The actual name of the native community is Ganesatage. I know people like you, Bobby. You do? Yeah, I have a lot of gay friends. What? Ooh, this should be interesting. Like with any marginalized cultures, for a few of them, Everything they perceive or experience is a comment on, a reflection of, or, as you say, is filtered through their sexual preference. They can find it difficult or even uninteresting to relate to anybody outside that bubble. I have a feeling with you, if it's not native or related to it, you're not that interested. Happens with a lot of people who have strong socio-political leanings. Take feminism, for example. Ugh, do I have to? Yes. I'm a feminist, but you get a group of feminists in a room and sometimes it's pay equity this, patriarchy that, till it's intersectionality and gender parity coming out your ass. All important issues, yes, but sometimes you just want to sit around drinking a glass of wine and insulting your ex. I take it you are referring to the rarefied world of North American dominant culture feminism? I'm sorry, you plan to comment on feminist theory? Who, me? Never. However, it's been my experience that the feminism you espouse is overly preoccupied with equality and representation. But on occasion, they can lose focus of the fact that there are different priorities, depending on the people or the place. Yes, I've heard this argument before, and believe it or not, I agree. Last month, I was at a Black Lives Matter rally. I realize this is me saying this, but I do understand that for a black woman, it's more important for her son or brother to come home, not shot by a cop, than to make more than minimum wage or have equal representation at the board table. It's a much broader perspective. I know I'm lecturing to the converted here. I mean, Iroquois women and their matriarchal culture. We're not Haudenosaunee. I hate squash. Both the sport and the vegetable. Could teach contemporary feminists I know a thing or two. The whole concept of leading by not visibly leading. Darn clever those, Haudenosaunee. Squash or no squash. See, native feminism has a different feel and priority to it. Case in point, a bunch of us guys would go visit my cousin, Sheila. She has a house right on the water, beautiful on a hot sunny day. Occasionally, one of us would ask her to get us a beer, and she would. You couldn't get your own? No, 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 no. Don't fall into his rhetorical trap. I've noticed. That's what he likes to do. As Sunzu says, don't fight the same enemy too many times or he or she will learn all your battle tactics. I'll remember that the next time I bump into this Sunzu. My point is, by the end of the afternoon, she gotten us maybe three beer each. Eventually, my cousin Todd looked around at her yard and said it looked like the grass needed cutting. So we offered to cut it for her, right then and there. A grand total of maybe 10 minutes of getting beer versus two hours of cutting grass in the hot sun. It's her own form of female empowerment. I'm not sure what Naomi Wolf would say about that, but again, you've just made my point. You're back to filtering everything through that Aboriginal lens. If it's non-native, you don't care. That was your point? It's all interrelated. 
And I do like a lot of non-native stuff. Uh-huh. Star Trek, mm. hockey, cowboy boots. Look, it's getting really late. I realize you two are wannabe grave robbers. Wannabes. And full-on wacky. But if you want, you guys can crash at my place. That sounds good. I I'm sold. Maybe a good night's sleep will snap you back to reality. My roommates are away for the week and I've got two couches. You can do your sojourn of justice thing in the morning. And I make mean lactose-free pancakes. Air conditioning, bikinis. You know, the last 24 hours. Yes. Broken hearts and stolen graves. Sounds like another country song. Speaking of which, feel like some music? Always. I suppose. Most madmen do. If candidates were to have a devil, its name would be Louis Riel, this so-called father of Manitoba. He vexed me. He vexed me so. He could not see past his own backyard. The needs of Canada were more important than his half-breeds. His rebellion, the death of Scott, his lunacy. The man actually petitioned the Pope himself to relocate the Vatican to the new promised land. The promised land of Manitoba. What kind of seen man does that? This man, he... Did I mention how much he vexed me? <laughs> well, luckily he was more of a visionary than a skilled diplomat or a student of warfare. It was only distance that provided him any measure of advantage. If you ask me, he was Canada's Frankenstein monster, cobbled together from the worst bits and pieces of French and Indian parts. An insane monster set out on the world to inflict havoc upon those he hated and pain his creator. He had to be hunted down and dealt with, as was the monster in the book. His accursed vision cost this country dearly. The financial expenditure to deal with him, the ugly publicity from his cursed shenanigans, and political fallout from his death. I am widely quoted as saying, he shall die though every dog in Quebec barks in his favor. <laughs> he did hang, and they did bark, and they are still barking. I think they mourned the symbol, not necessarily the man. <laughs> it's amazing how one demented half-breed can so disrupt a country dedicated to peace, order, 
and good government. <laughs> Hopefully, as the years go by, his name will fade into the obscurity of history and the accursed actions he is the author of will be no longer mentioned. Oh, one can only hope and pray. And he really knew how to make an entrance. At an early conference exploring Confederation, he showed up in Charlottetown with $13,000 worth of champagne to impress all the political leaders. And it worked. Say what you will, the man knew how to work a crowd. I bought your beer, I bought the pizza, but I don't buy that. Kingston, you can almost smell the history. Metaphorically speaking, I mean, your house smells very nice. Yes. McDonald had no choice as a seven-year-old coming here, but as he grew up, he always came back. This was his home. That's fascinating. I told you all this stuff already on our way down here. Yeah, but I like it better when she tells it. Oh, you're a sweetie. Okay, let me get you some blankets and pillows. Back in a second. <laughs> I'm a sweetie. Hugh, what are we doing here? This wasn't part of the plan. Let's get out of here. Yvonne, that's it? She reminds you of Yvonne, doesn't she? She does not. No, Yvonne was taller and heavier and native. And would stand up to you, talk back to you, test you. This has nothing to do with Yvonne. I think you like her. You do, don't you? Me? <laughs> Hell no. She's opinionated, loud, pushy. Right. That's the antithesis of you. If anything, I think you're kind of sweet on her. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And this is not about Yvonne. Who's Yvonne? Hey, Bobby. She wants to know who Yvonne is. Well, that is fascinating. Good for her. It's not important. That's a matter of perspective. Anya, let me tell you a story. Yvonne was a smart, beautiful woman, a, a cousin of mine, and a former girlfriend of Bobby, who currently is going to university in Peterborough, working on her PhD in Indigenous Studies. When we passed the 115, I thought for sure the car was going to veer right. He's exaggerating. She's just an old ex-girlfriend. Right. And Star Wars was just a movie. The problem is, she found Bobby's choice of in-your-face lifestyle a little counterproductive to a solid education. You've seen Bobby at his best and worst. Imagine that for eight years. See... A good chunk of the native population are getting educated these days. Formal education is now referred to as the new buffalo. The new buffalo? Yeah, because it will provide for all our needs. It's an indigenous metaphor. The new buffalo. Got it. Oh, I hate that term. Historically, not everybody existed off the buffalo. It's culturally myopic. Bobby, would you prefer the new pickerel or maybe the new muskrat for the Ojibwe? Anishinaabe, Christ, I wish you'd use the right term. I got tired of trying to teach white people how to say Anishinaabe. After a while, I started pronouncing it wrong. Ojibwe, Anishinaabe, tomato, tomato. Ojibwe is easier in mixed company. It's still wrong. That pizza was salty. Uh, got anything to drink? Mm, let me think. In the fridge, there should be some beer, soda water, Diet Pepsi... Oh, and maybe a Snapple. Oh, a Snapple. Hugh? I'll be right back. But keep talking. Really? Does he have to? Yes, he does. My house, my rules. It's a Caucasian thing. It's a classic story. I'm sure you've heard variations of it. Boy meets girl who's living with another guy. 
Boy becomes their best friend. Other guy breaks up with girl and moves away. Boy ends up dating girl. Boy ends up dragging her to too many protests and marches. Boy can't understand why she doesn't find pissing people off together as romantic as he does. Imagine that. After her fifth public mischief charge, she opts for a more sedate life of making a difference to her people through embracing the new buffalo. Girl moves away. Boy decides to dig up a politician's grave. I'm sure that storyline has been explored in a dozen movies. That's why he's so pissy to me. I am not pissy to you. Hugh, you talk too much. Only because there's so much to say. Y you can always call her, you know. Talk? I did. You did? And? I shouldn't have called. There wasn't any reason. We were just repeating ourselves. And here you are, doing exactly what split you two up. Well, that's because I am who I am. And there are larger, meaner problems in the world that eat up little problems like Yvonne's and mine. Ah, uh, the hill of beans argument. Those are still the more important battles. Not the kind of thing a girl wants to hear. Well, some tell people what they want to hear. Others tell them what they need to hear. And then there's Chris, who told me neither. Who's Chris? The asshole in Perry Sound. We just broke up. That's why I was at the McDonald's. About ten minutes before we met, I had been in the washroom crying my eyes out. Sometimes a girl just wants and needs to hear something positive. Sometimes guys, too. Okay, then. Uh, I think we should go. You, you sure? sure? We'd better. You must be exhausted. I guess that grave's not going to dig itself. Bye. It was... Truly a pleasure to meet you. I wish you the best of luck in whatever you find yourself doing. Keep singing. <laughs> How can I not? There's no word in the Anishinaabe language for goodbye. Only, I'll be seeing you. That's almost romantic. I'd say stay out of trouble, but... Oh, Hugh. I think this is yours. Thanks. Bear spray. <laughs> No problem. Bears of Kingston, beware. <laughs> Hugh, let's go. We'll be right back. Well, she was nice. Sure we couldn't stay? No, she was distracting. You know... I was thinking, if we dug up all the fathers of Confederation and stitched them together, we'd have a, a Frankenfather or a Frankenfederation. God damn it, Hugh. Keep your voice down. This is serious. You're a little too serious. I think you need your own happy place. I don't want to sing. That's my happy place. All it is is a place you can go where you can do what you've always wanted to do. Where you check your logic and reality at the door. Eh, that doesn't sound like me. I prefer my logic and reality with me at all times. Okay, now my map says it's over here. Kataraki Cemetery. Sounds Iroquoian. Father of Confederation. Here's Shakespeare like you've never heard before. Here's your show. Play on podcasts are epic audio adventures reimagining timeless tales with award-winning actors. Double, double toil and 
Listen today at playonpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. John A. MacDonald, 1815-1891. This might be it. Yeah. 76 years. He lived 76 years. Three years longer than my grandfather. Not much of a tombstone. Somehow I was expecting something bigger. Wait. I think I see someone coming. It's dark. Those are shadows. Come on. Bobby. Bobby, this is ridiculous. Look at us. We aren't any very good grave robbers. You even brought me the wrong kind of shovel. A poor workman blames his tools. Our cause is just. You're trying to tell me that this is some sort of hallowed shovel of justice? Yes, very. What we are doing is a fair and measured response to an outrageous imposition. They have, over the years, taken our children, they've taken our dead, they've attempted to take everything. The medicine bundle. Remember that? I thought that's why we were here. That was implied. So, here we stand, in a cemetery in the middle of the night, about to dig up a bunch of bones and hold them for ransom to get back that medicine bundle. Doesn't that seem a bit contradictory to you? Wait, are you backing out now? Friends don't let friends dig up dead prime ministers. I came to support you, to support your grandfather, but there is nothing quite like standing in the middle of a graveyard at two in the morning to give you a reality check. Everything your grandfather taught me, us, is if you stole something, return it or replace it. If you broke something, fix it. It wasn't about punishment. It was about maintaining a sense of balance. I don't think this is restoring balance and harmony. This is more along the lines of revenge, and revenge is never a good path to follow. But my promise to my grandfather... God damn it, Hugh! Hey, man. All this stuff... is stuff your grandfather taught us. If you don't give a shit about what I'm saying... You don't give a shit about what your grandfather said. God damn it. Hey, Mr. McDonald. I bring you greetings from the Anishinaabe people. They wanted me to tell you they are still alive, despite everything. My buddy Hugh tells me a happy place is where you can do what you want. Express what's in you. You see the shovel? Boy, would I like to... Easy with that shovel, lad. You could hurt someone. What? Oh, fuck, shit! Hugh! What an odd and dark place. And and you? Who are you? Bobby. Bobby Bobby Rabbit. (laughs) An equally peculiar name. And Mr. Rabbit, I don't believe we have ever met, and I have an excellent memory for faces. And your face... Mm, even in this light, seems a tad darker, more exotic. You wouldn't be from one of the Mediterranean races, would you? Perhaps Italian or Spanish? I am Anishinaabe. 
<laughs> and what, pray tell, is that? <laughs> Something from the Caribbean, perhaps? Ojibwe. Ojibwe. <gasps> You're an Indian. A rose by any other name. An Indian who knows his Shakespeare. Will wonders never cease? Grade 11 English. Got a B-plus on it. Uh, I have no idea what that means. But you seem to be doing well for yourself. You speak English well and look very... Uh, civilized. Oh, I will try not to take that personally. Still, I want to punch you right in the middle of that big red nose of yours. Have I offended you, sir? Yes, sir, you have. In so many ways. Do I look like a happy Indian? No, I am one severely pissed off First Nations man. But I don't understand. I am a friend to the Indian man. I used to sing in a Mohawk choir when I was young. Everything I and my government has done has been for the eventual benefit of the Indians of Canada. Eventual benefit? You starved us. Starved? No, that is a gross misjudgment of the situation. You have to understand how government works. It's complex. But the need to relocate the majority of Indians to reserves became increasingly necessary. Unfortunately, as with the management of any large group of people, many did not see the uh, <clears throat> benefits of what we were trying to provide. And, well, it seemed the most prudent way to encourage the recalcitrant into seeing the wisdom of our ways. Spare the rod and spoil the child, I suppose. <laughs> oh, it could be conceived of as harsh, true, but in the end... In the end, you starved them into submission. I am the Prime Minister of Canada. I must do what I can to make sure this country operates and grows. <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to understand, but it was for the better good of Canada. There were migrants looking for land. Canada needed a population. A population that would do magnificent things with the land. <laughs> Indians have no knowledge of the importance of the rich land they use simply to shit upon. You Indians have no respect for the law. And Canada is a nation of laws. If they did not want to live on the reserves we negotiated, then they must deal with the repercussions. Yes, some went hungry. <laughs> we all have been hungry. Coming across the ocean as a child, we were fed a gruel that... <sighs> well, I frequently chose to go hungry. I could see beyond the grumbling of my stomach. Indians can't seem to do that. What are you here to whine about? I want my grandfather's existence on Mother Earth to be acknowledged. I want my grandfather's experiences at residential school validated. I want how my father turned out to be understood. I want the world to appreciate how important, how vital my grandfather's medicine bundle is and where it should rightfully be. With him, not in a museum. Same with 10,000 other equally important Aboriginal items. And I want to know that for all my yelling, all the angry things I've done in my life, something good will have come from it. And I can close my eyes for a while. Oh, well spoken, lad. You can thank me for the ability to make a speech like that. 
and just what is this medicine bundle? One of your superstitious contrivances? First of all, bite me. Secondly, it was something my grandfather held close and treasured. He felt it was the essence of who he was and who his people were. And I have it. You set the sequence of events in motion that ended with my grandfather in a residential school, the bundle ending up in a far-off museum, and me standing here in the middle of a cemetery. Ah, son, on any given day, I deal with a thousand requests from a thousand people all wanting something. (laughs) And you think your little medicine bundle is worthy of my time? (laughs) You want my advice, young man. Learn to plow. That will do your people more good than this focus pocus. Now, if you will excuse me, I am a busy man. One quick question. I've always wanted to know this from you. Just coldly and simply. What makes you so sure your way of life is better than ours? You and your people have tried so hard to change us, civilize us. Why? Because that's what we do! (laughs) Yes, we complicate and justify it by couching it in decrees and religion and laws. You want an explanation for everything people do. Good luck, son. You're going to have a long time waiting. That's not a very enlightening answer. You want enlightenment? Light a candle. What about my grandfather's medicine bundle? What would you have me do, Mr. Rabbit? Go knocking on the museum door with myself saying, Give me all your Indian medicine bundles. I've got an irate Indian barking up my arse. <laughs> I think not. Wait. That would work. Whatever are you talking about? You still here? Well, Sir John A., I am going to take the fight to them. What if I kicked on the doors of the museums, of all the museums? It would be a public relations nightmare for them if they didn't listen to me. I... I went over to England and came back with a new country and a knighthood for it. Also, as I remember, the food was substantially better on that trip. Well, that was the important thing, wasn't it? Hey, want to hear something funny? My grandfather was named John. He didn't create much of anything worthwhile other than my family. And nobody's throwing him a party. You broke so many things about my people, and it's going to take us generations to fix. But we will. We are survivors. We survived smallpox and tuberculosis. We survived the Indian Act. We survived you. Europe. I should go there. You're going to Europe? Wow, a lot can change in an hour. God damn it! What? Sorry. Anya, what are you doing here? I was curious, you know, about your sojourn of justice. I wanted to see if you actually did what you said you were going to do. So... (laughs) Want to buy a shovel? Never been used. What happened? The purpose of a medicine bundle is to bring out the best in a person. And I'm standing in a cemetery at two in the morning about to dig up the grave of Canada's first prime minister. 
It's late. You probably have classes tomorrow. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't go to university. I used to, but that's another story. I work at Bellevue House. <laughs> Sir John A. lived there for a year and a half. I dress up in a period costume and tell tourists all about the man. <laughs> Surprise. Why didn't you tell us? It's a little embarrassing, having dropped out. I plan to go back, though. So, what now? I mean, for you and Hugh. I'm going to Europe. That should be interesting. For both you and Europe. Where's Hugh? Well, probably off in his happy place. I have a really sucky happy place. And I think Hugh has a crush on you. Really? That's too bad. Oh. You, you don't like him? Oh, he's cute and adorable. But I, on the other hand, bat for the other team. You... Chris? Christine. I probably should have mentioned that before, but sometimes telling strangers that can make them uncomfortable. Once again, readjusting my perspective of you. Hey, just... Think of me as a broken-hearted, lactose-intolerant lesbian who dresses up as a 19th-century charwoman for a job. I'm living the dream. Let's go find Hugh and go to my place. Bobby? Bobby, I will say it's a pity you weren't born a woman. You know, I get that a lot. Off into the darkness they walk, and the lights come down on our grand tale. And what of Anya? Has this chance encounter made her reevaluate her opinion of men and their dubious attractions? No. And Bobby, will he travel across the vast ocean and butt heads with the great museums of Europe? resulting in several very public and nasty international incidents, the final product being a new phrase he learns, forced deportation? Yeah. And what of our true hero, the brave and handsome Hugh? What will happen to him? Will he find happiness? Will he find a job? Will he ever end up center stage at the National Arts Center? Well, that's... That's a story for another night. I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I love you to love me. me. I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I love you to love me. Oh, 
That was the conclusion of Sir John A. Acts of a Gentrified Ojibwe Rebellion by Drew Hayden Taylor. The play featured Herbie Burns, Daryl Dennis, Martin Julian, and Katie Ryerson. Sir John A. Acts of a Gentrified Ojibwe Rebellion was commissioned and premiered at Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa in 2017 under the direction of Jim Milan. This episode's sound design and edit are by Gregory J. Sinclair with additional sound design by Chris Tolley. Next up in our series is an interview with the playwright, Drew Hayden Taylor. In the meantime, you can listen to many other shows available now on the Play Me feed. We also look forward to telling you more about our brand new series, The Quarantine Chronicles, coming to Play Me July 15th. Stay well. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Expect Theatre or Instagram at Play Me Podcast. And if you haven't already, please consider rating and reviewing us. It helps us get our podcast out to more listeners. Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The senior director of audio innovation is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me's associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is produced by Expect Theatre in partnership with CBC Podcasts. For more information on our plays and artists, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.